Yo, yo, what is up? You are listening to NBA Big Board, and this is your host, Rafael Barla. I got a special guest today. It is Leaf Tulin, and he is going to give us his list of the top 10 point guards in the 2022 NBA draft class. Stay tuned. All right, this is Raphael. I keep wanting to say locked on NBA draft. I'm going to get it right. NBA big board. But before I get into the show, I want to thank each and every person for making NBA big board your first listen of the day. And on Mondays, it can be your first listen of the week. Shout out to everybody that has made just, I mean, just overall supported. I mean, we've been going for it. Well, we were at a year on locked on NBA draft. Now we've kind of made the transition to NBA big board, taking over Chad's feed. So thank you for each and every person that has started your day listening to us while we talk about the draft. But today we're going to talk about the top 10 point guards. And forgive me if I sound a little bit tired. I just like literally landed. I flew in from where I started off in Milan. It was like over 28 hour travels, actually even more than that. I mean, it was 28 hours of travel time. That doesn't include the hour and a half that I was stuck on the plane because the bridge connecting the plane to the terminal was messed up but I'm fresh off the plane but I had to get my guy Leaf on Leaf Tulane he is going to break down his top 10 point guards of this class Leaf what is going on and how is life in Salt Lake City right now I know it's you got a big game coming up this weekend. Like, are, are Jazz fans excited or nervous because you may have to play the Mavs without Luca, which kind of puts a little bit more pressure on, on Utah? What What's the atmosphere right now? Oh, yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm happy to be here, and I'm doing well. Salt Lake City hit, was very nice last weekend and snowing this week, so – not the greatest, but uh, I think the atmosphere is people now have optimism that they did not have as of three or four days ago before Luca hurt his calf. Uh, I actually still believe the Jazz would win this series with a healthy Luca. Just schematically, I liked the Jazz's chances, and maybe that's the Homer in me speaking. But um, I think a lot more people are are high on the Jazz winning that round that round of the playoffs, not beating the Suns because I don't think anyone really thinks we will. But uh, there's some hope. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's like you, you want to win with the team being fully healthy. But, you know, I, I feel like with everything that's kind of going on with, with Utah and all the rumors surrounding Gobert and, and Donovan being possibly split up this summer and the Lakers rumors with, with, with Quinn Snyder, I think a, a win in the first round of the playoffs may help out a little bit. But you also feel like if it's a – first round exit, then you know changes are, are going to be made. But that's that's a subject for a totally different show. All right, let's get into your top point guards. And when I say your top point guards, it doesn't necessarily have to be a traditional point guard. It can be someone that you feel like can play the one. And that's the thing about players today, like positions are so fluid. Like I have a hard time figuring out what position is Chet Holmgren. Is he a five? Is he a four? And then I like to, when I when I give a guy a, a position or a label, 
I try to think about what position would he play in a closing lineup as opposed to a starting lineup. So I think there are guys that are threes when they start the game, but they'll close at four. So for you, it's totally fluid. You know, there's no right or or, or, or wrong answer here. I mean, none of us are right or wrong when it comes to this draft stuff until after the end of their rookie years or whatever. So who is number one, the number one point guard or lead guard or lead ball handler for you in this year's class? I've got Jaden Ivey as my number one. And and like you said, he's not necessarily a traditional point guard, but he's, he's the most electric guard that is uh, at the top of my board. Uh, I mean, the other guys at the top four, I think the consensus top four are bigs. And I think Jaden, Jaden Ivey's got the capacity to take over the game. And if you're going to draft a guy in the top five, you typically want to give the, the guy the keys to the car and, and take over. And I think he's best suited to do so from the point guard spot and like a, a lead guard role, I should say, um, rather than playing off ball, um, unless he is drafted to a unique situation. And I think he's got all the traits to, to excel at the point guard in the NBA, especially where the floor is more open. Whereas in college, he, he had two bigs that were always in the game, at least one of them. And it took away his greatest strength of driving. I think the spacing of the NBA will really be conducive to his game. Yeah, I agree 100%, except I have him going to a unique situation in my mock draft. I have him going number three, and this is just based off of the records, not, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll know the draft order, and I, I guess a month from now. But I have him going number three to the Detroit Pistons. I actually have him ahead of Chet on my big board and my last mock. And I think that fit is, is good for Detroit. It will improve the overall athleticism of the team. At one point before adding Marvin Bagley, you can make a case and say Detroit was probably like the least athletic team or least athletic young team in the NBA. And then I think playing with Cade can, it, it maximizes Ivy as a secondary. And I, and I think, you can never have enough ball handlers. Now, what that means for Killian Hayes, I don't know. What is your thoughts on Ivy in that unique situation? Because he could end up in a unique situation, whether it's Detroit, whether it's Houston, or Oklahoma City, or Orlando. I mean, either team, if he goes in the top four, like most are predicting, there's not a clear-cut guarantee that he's going to be that team's point guard. Yeah, I, I was thinking about OKC and Detroit as possibilities. And I think those two, they have their point guards of the future in Cade and, and Shy Gilgis Alexander. I I wonder in, in Orlando if he can if you hand him the keys to the car and you say, Okay, Ivy, you're you're the man if he were to go for uh, or any of those top four picks and if they were to get that pick, I think he'd be the man. I think he would play the point guard. I don't think that one's as unique of a situation because they haven't had a player emerge as the the franchise point guard. I think Cole Anthony's a really good player, but I think he can play off ball just as well as Jaden Ivey. And I think Markel Fultz is there, Jalen Suggs is there, but I think he's got just as good a chance to take the reins. I think I think if you give him the reins and play some pick and roll or pick and pop with a with a big man, he's got the capacity to be a special playmaker because he makes some plays that make your jaw drop. But he just has hasn't been playing the point guard very long. And I think the it, the pick of taking him in the top five, I think unless he goes to Detroit or OKC, I think you have to give him the reins to be a special playmaker that he has the capacity to be. So do you think in Houston, opening day, you got Ivy, 
and then you have Kevin Porter Jr. You think opening day, Ivy would be their starting point guard? I'm not sure opening day. I would personally do that um, because I think I think you got to let your your picks rock. But I'm not sure that's what they would do. That's and that's Kevin Porter Jr. is really talented. I just believe in Ivy to be a a star a potential to have a star career in the NBA. Yeah, I think I would believe in Ivy long term over over KPJ. It's interesting you said about Orlando. I think like no matter who they draft, there's going to be some redundancy. And I, I mentioned it in, on the article I did on NBA Big Board that I feel like if you went to five different players on Orlando's roster and said, who is the team's franchise player? I think five different guys will give you an answer. I don't think that they have a defined pecking order. Fultz just got the big deal, but I mean, it's, I mean, 50 million is, is a big deal to me, but it's not, I guess, significant enough where you're, it's like a max deal where you know, okay, they're going to give him the most opportunities to succeed, but you just drafted Suggs. I think Cole Anthony led the team in scoring. Adding Ivy to the mix is going to be really weird if, I mean, it puts them in a weird situation. I think that they need to consolidate anyway. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting that if you if you think that he is a point guard, he could end up in four different situations where there's a young player that the team is already developing. Because I even think in Oklahoma City, you got Giddy might actually be their primary ball handler. They may play Gilgis Alexander off the ball. So it's, it's going to be interesting for Ivy. All right, when we return, we'll talk about – the number point guard on your list because I'm really curious to to hear who this is but I want to talk to the audience about bet online and betonline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info you can find all of the latest sports development league reviews and news including this year's playoffs which start this weekend well actually the play-in games have already started but you can get the basketball playoffs and the beginning of the major league baseball season Bet online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. And that is because Bet Online is where the game starts. Shout out to each and every person that has made locked on NBA draft and now NBA big board, your first listen of the day. But now I would suggest you check out the locked on now podcast. The locked on now podcast gives you nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from my local experts. It is free and it is available wherever you get your podcast. Once again, this is Raphael from NBA big board and NBA draft junkies. I, I still run that site with leaf Tulane. All right, leaf. Who is number two? And I think this is where it kind of gets tricky in a sense because the from two through eight is probably if you ask ten different people to rank their guard, it, it can be all over the place. So who is the second ranked point guard on your list for this class? I've got Ty Ty Washington from Kentucky. I think he's the most polished pick and roll ball handler in this class. He gets to his spot. His shooting numbers could improve, but he shot very, very well from the mid-range, got to his spots, has a great float game. And I know he played with a great big in college basketball and Oscar Shibwe, but I think Oscar Shibwe greatly benefited from Ty Ty Washington just as much as Ty Ty Washington benefited from having a great recipient in Oscar Shibwe. 
And I think his game translates to the pick and roll heavy game of the NBA better than a lot of guards um, in this ranking that will get to games will. You know, I can make a case and say he had two of the most impressive individual performances of the season. He had the 17 assist game against Georgia, I believe. And then he had the game against Tennessee where he went 10 of 13 from the floor. And he just was never the same after dealing with the ankle injuries. Now, let me ask you this. Are there any concerns about his age? He's 20 and I've made a I've tweeted saying he's only like a couple months younger and maybe not a couple exactly, but he's a f- just maybe three, four months at the max younger than Wendell Moore, who is a junior. And so do you feel like, I mean, he's older than Ivy, I, I believe. Do you feel like his age could, I mean, it- it's weird that we're talking about a 20 year old, his age has been, has been a factor, but is, is there any concerns about him being older for his class for you? I personally like to think of it as college basketball experience rather than age. And I think age is helpful in high school. I think like if you're older, you can be a better recruit because you're physically more mature. But I think once you are auditioning for the NBA draft, which is college basketball there for those type of prospects, it's college basketball experience in terms of years. And he only had one of those, not to mention he struggled with some ankle injuries. And I think he even had a calf injury uh, Mm -hmm. while at Kentucky. And so I, I don't see that as too much of a deterrent for picking him in the lottery. And I, I got him around 11 on my big board right now. I, I think, I think Wendell Moore Jr. came to Durham uh, for Duke really young. And, and then he had a tough freshman year and he really gained and blossomed in his sophomore and junior uh, and all power to him. I think that helps him as a prospect more than Ty Ty being old for his class hurts him. If that makes sense. What's your ideal situation for Ty Ty? I have him going to the Knicks on, on, on my mock. It might be a lazy pick because everyone feels like New York needs a point guard with the whole Kimball Walker experience being a disaster. I think him and Derrick Rose only played like 62 games combined. And then there's also like the lazy ties to Kentucky, even though I don't think he signed with CAA, but you just feel like Kentucky guys, if they're in the Knicks range, are going to be – uh, end up with, with, with New York. What is your best fit for a tie tie? It's an interesting question. I, I haven't thought about that. I like the Knicks one off the top of my head. Uh, I think somewhere that allows him to play the pick and roll primary ball handler and doesn't have a guy that will um, be the lead lead score. I think the Knicks are a very good option because RJ Barrett, maybe, maybe come that guy who handles the ball more and takes a larger role. And obviously they have Julius Randle and who knows what's going to happen there. But off the top of my head, I think that's, that's the one that stands out to me as a team that needs a guard, maybe drafting around that range because most of the teams there have guards of the future. And so I, I think it's lazy and I'm copying, but I, but I like that pick. I actually had Washington also as, as a, a decent fit simply because I think with Washington, they've been trying out different point guards every year. And this is going to be, or next year, if Bill does come back, it's probably like your fourth different year with a different point guard from Wall to Westbrook that they tried Dinwiddie. And I think that Ty Ty would probably be the best compliment to Bill in a sense, because I think when Wall was there, there was a debate over whose team it was. When Westbrook was there, I didn't. I felt like the Wizards played their best basketball when they kind of gave the keys to Westbrook in the second half and just said, Russ, go ahead and just be Russ. 
the Dinwiddie situation didn't work out at all. But I think Ty Ty would not get in the way of Bill, but it doesn't put Ty Ty in the best situation to, I mean, he'll be the primary, but he'll be playing more off the ball than, than, than on the ball. Who is the third point guard on your list? Number three, and this is, this is a stretch. We talked about the NBA becoming more positionless. I've got Dyson Daniels. I think okay. he's a taller facilitator, and he may not always be running the point necessarily, but in units he, he can. Uh, he's versatile. Uh, he sticks out to me because he's unselfish, and he's the type of guy who fills out a box score. He, he's, he's a stat stuffer, and he does it in minor ways and major ways. Uh, I, he doesn't get to the rim amazingly like there's not this burst that just wows you and he doesn't shoot the uh, a ton of free throws but he shoots at 74 percent from the line i believe in in his shot getting better and i'm a fan of jumbo facilitators um just guys that are bigger and taller see over the defense and i think his defense due to his height is also a plus yeah australia has been producing these jumbo facilitators from ben simmons to josh giddy to dyson daniels and even though Daniels is probably not as creative of a passer as as Giddy, but I mean it's still something in the water there where they are developing these big point guards or or, or just big facilitators. Not like for Daniels, he kind of reminds me of Lonzo Ball in a sense, to where he can play or, or defend multiple positions. He is okay as your primary but he can also play off the ball it's not going to get to the rack like for me personally I I prefer my point guard to get downhill on pick and rolls because I feel like you're much more of a threat when you get downhill and the reason he reminds me of ball is because neither one of those guys are going to put a lot of a lot of pressure on the rim I say they're more so ball movers than playmakers what is your biggest concern about Dyson Daniels? Like if he doesn't pan out like you think he would, what would be the reason that you think holds him back from maximizing his, his potential? I think if his shot doesn't improve, that kind of puts a lower ceiling. I think a lot of people are thinking he can improve his shot and his lack of explosiveness and, and ability to get downhill. Um, it, there's a lot of hope for his shot to improve. And I think if both don't improve, cause you're not going to improve athleticism by that much, but your shot can improve. I think if, if you're Oh, for two in that aspect, that, that does concern me. And I, I worry a little bit about, I don't, I think I agree with your comparison about Lonzo. I think the difference is Lonzo is, is a, a very, I would almost say elite lateral mover. And I think Dyson is good. And I, I guess if, I, if we're saying just pure worries, that I worry that he is a little too upright at times. And But mm -hmm. I think that with coaching, that's not a terrible concern. So I'd say mostly shooting because you can't teach burst to the rim. And I don't think he's ever going to have that at a premium. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I know in my notes, that was one of the first thing I saw was he plays too straight up and down. And it's hard to get by defenders when you're straight up and down. I mean, low man wins. That's one of the, the, the terms in basketball. And he just doesn't really, really get real, real low on his drives. All right. If you were in charge of his development, what shot would you have him work on first? The pull-up mid-range off the dribble 
or the three-point set shot? Man, that's a that's a really good question. So I, I, I forgot I, to tell you when when you know I'm when I'm hosting, I I, I put guys on the hot seat. <laughs> I like to see where, where I like guys it. think. I, I like it. I just got to think about it. So I, I think I'd work on the set shot because he we said he's a point guard, but I mentioned at the beginning I think there are times where he doesn't play on ball a ton, mm-hmm. and I would say that you need to maximize when you're off the ball to make yourself more of a threat when you're on the ball. And I think his height, if he works on his set shot, favors him in, in making it possible for him to develop later a kind of pull-up jump shot operating off of the pick and roll and snake in a pick and roll and getting to mid-range. So I would work on the three-point set shot. Gotcha. All right, so we got Jaden Ivey, number one, Ty Ty Washington, number two, Dyson Daniels, three. So I have a quick question. Actually, you know what? Let's take a break, and then I, I'll, I'll get to this question. Who is number four? I was torn here and I've got, I've got a, the next one or two are, are torn. Cause I wasn't sure if they could play point guard, but I'll put them in. Um, but this one, I went with John Montero. Um, I see kind of a Dennis Schroeder type. Um, he's, he's very quick. He's a plus athlete, got good vision attacks single coverage. Well, I think when, when there's not too much help, he really identifies it and gets to the rim in, in straight lines. And that's something that you mentioned. You want your guards to attack the rack. I think he does that at a very high level. And I think his shot is competent and will improve. He's very young and I, and the mechanics don't scare me away. Yeah. To me, he's more of a scorer than shooter, but I've been following him since, since Austin, since I saw him at basketball without borders in 2020. And he was my favorite player at that particular um, camp. And I mean, that camp featured Josh Giddy and, I mean, I, I've, I've been a fan of Montero this year. I don't want to say it was a disappointment. Um, I just, I mean, it was hard for me to gauge him on with the whole overtime elite situation because, you know, it's an upstart league. Of course, it would have been easier to evaluate him in the G League or in college basketball, or even if you would have stayed at, at, at Grand Canaria. So I think scouts and evaluators probably have the same concerns in a sense against the competition that he was playing against, even though there's some guys that in the overtime elite program that I think are going to be first round picks, but I thought he made it a, a good showing at the hoop summit last weekend. Now, what are your concerns about Montero? Like you, um, you, you compared him to Schroener. I think he's more so a Lou Williams type, maybe. It's weird because, like, at least when I think of Dennis, you always felt like he was going to be the fastest guy on the floor. Montero, it's like he doesn't strike you as blazing fast, but I don't really see guys stand in front of him. It's like it's more so of the craftiness, quick first step, but not, like, explosive. I mean, it's it's kind of weird that he just – he. Like I said, guys don't stay in front of him and he's not going to wow you with like freakish athleticism or, you know, he's not Jaden Ivey by any means, but I mean, he just finds ways to put the ball in the basket. What, what would be your biggest concern for him? I would say, I mean, I said this earlier for Daniels, I think if his shot doesn't improve, I think people and the athleticism, the NBA catches up. So he doesn't have, 
remain a plus plus athlete. I think in the competition level, he's played, like you said, he's not blazing fast, but he, his first step allows him to get by a lot of players. I think when that advantage is minimized, his shot needs to improve more. And I think it, I wouldn't say this is the biggest, like a knock, but I think something that would really help him as an NBA player is if he became a better pick and roll operator. I think his vision is fine, but a lot of it's off of passing downhill is what I've noticed. And you've watched more of him than I have, but that was something that I noticed is when he goes downhill, he's a pretty good passer off the pick and roll. There's a few reads that I think he could improve upon and, and that's nitpicking, but for, for him to fully opportunize his NBA stint, I think that's something he could improve upon. Yeah. I feel like if he gets a ball screen then he's going to get to his pull up, that's going to be like his first frame of mind instead of, instead of passing. But it's weird because like I say, he's not going to wow you with the eye test but he's a good rebounder and he's actually been a plus defender because he just has this knack for, for getting steals and kind of has a nose for the ball. I think defensively he can be like Steph Curry in a sense where he's going to be a good team defender, not necessarily a great one-on-one defender, but if you surround him with, you know, some great individual defenders, then he'll look good. But then again, I guess you can say that for everybody. (laughs) All right. Who is the next guard on your list? Yeah, so I have two. I want I want to I want to put this out there that I want to see if you would agree with. So I've got Blake Wesley. I think he's got the ability to play the point, and then I've got Terquavion Smith. I think I'm leaning towards him being a two guard. But when I compiled this list in my head, I had him, and I know that's someone you're very high on. Um, I I'm think driving he's the train t- now. I'm driving the Terquavion train. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's a two guard, at least for me. But yeah. I, I just wanted to say that. So in case it's like a glaring omission, it was more because I thought about it and decided to put him in as a two. But as for Blake Wesley, uh, I watched him in San Diego, Notre Dame beat Alabama and then lost in a close one to Texas Tech. I was sitting in the third row for both of those games at March Madness. And I was really impressed with his defense. And they played him off the ball, but when they needed buckets against Texas Tech, who is a team that is known for athleticism, they operated a pick and roll with Blake Wesley and he got downhill and yes, he can improve his finishing, but that you can't teach that size and athleticism. And he made some good passes out of them. Not all of them turned to assist, but that's the best, arguably the best defensive team in the country in Texas Tech he's playing against. And he didn't look phased. Uh, he gets to his mid range pull up with absolute ease and he can improve his shot, and I believe he will because the mechanics look fine. It's just a little flat, and that's someone I think is a guy that by the vast majority of boards I've looked at is being undervalued. Yeah, you know what? I, I like him, but I'm not as high on him as others. I don't even have him as a first-round grade on my last mock. Um, I don't know. Like I, I feel like he's definitely talented, but right now, I'm trying to think of like, what is the skill set he's going to hang his hat on? Is he a one? Is he, is he a two? He, I mean, I think he shows flashes of being able to be a good shooter. I think he shows flashes of being a playmaker, but I think he's more so of a ball mover. I think for, at least in my opinion, I have to watch his film again, but the last time I really took a deep dive in his film was probably back in like January and I thought like his best outcome would be like Karis Levert. Cause remember at one point people thought Karis Levert was going to be a point guard. So if he ends up being Levert, then he's definitely worthy of a, a first round pick. I just don't know like what skill set he hangs his hat on. While I feel like with Turquavian, 
from day one, you you know, like, okay, if he's not a one, then he's going to be an off the bench microwave instant offense <laughs> scorer who is, you know, capable of reeling off four or five straight threes in a row. But I think Turquavian is more so of a of a two than than a one, even though he does show some passes of you know flashes or glimpses of being able to make some pretty good reads out of pick and roll as far as hitting the roll man. But I mean, I would I would bring him in for instant offense. But then again, he could end up being like Reggie Jackson. If he ends up being Reggie Jackson, then I mean that's that's not a bad career. All right, who's next on your on your list? Uh, next, I've got Hugo Besson. Uh, a French guy. I, I've been impressed with the way he scores off of the bounce. He's got good guile to his game. He shoots it pretty well. Uh, I was impressed with his rebounding and in one of the recent games I saw, and I, I wouldn't say he's a good defender, but I wouldn't say he's a bad defender. And I think at that point, you just take the mediocrity as a bonus um, because the offense, I believe in the upside He's an adequate athlete as kind of the defense would entail there. And my biggest knock on him is sometimes he takes ill-advised jumpers. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you can, you, you can, <laughs> you can teach, you can, that you can teach that, that out of someone. And I had a real quick question about bones Highland. I'm sorry about uh Terquavion Smith. Does bones Highland uh, work as a, as a comp for you in that one? That's one I thought of the other day when watching him. Yeah. Like bones Highland. It's funny when I first watched him, he moves like Jaden McDaniels. Like if you shrunk Jaden McDaniels, I feel like he moves just like him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can see the bones comparisons. And I mean, I think in a redraft bones would end up going a lot higher than, than where he, he ended up going. Of course, Denver is a good fit because you're playing with the MVP and he, he was in a situation where he was, was, I mean, he just was in a good situation. But yeah, I mean, Tracravion does kind of remind me of of Bones. But I like, I just like these shot makers, these irrational confidence guys, guys who who aren't afraid to let it fly. And that's one of the reasons I've always been high on Besson. He hasn't had the season that I was expecting him to have. I know, like last year, he led second division France in scoring, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, he would have led second division in three-pointers but he missed some games and he still shot like 36 percent from three last year taking a I mean a large amount of his shots off the dribble most of his threes I felt like were self-created this year the the numbers aren't as efficient but I, I like him as a shot maker his agent was telling me that he thinks he could be like Tyler Hero and so, I mean, me visually, I didn't see the comparison, but that's that's what his agent his agent said. All right, where do you have Kennedy Chandler? I'm high on Kennedy Chandler, and I'm just seeing like your list, and I'm like, okay, my man Kennedy Chandler is he's not the top three, he's not four, not five, not did, did Kennedy crack your top? He's right tier? here. He's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because I, I I like Kennedy Chandler. I was I, I almost put him above Hugo. I, I just I went upside there. I think I, I see a higher upside with Hugo Besson if he hits than I do with Kennedy Chandler. Um, my concerns with Kennedy Chandler as to why I guess he slipped here. Um, I, I think his his jump shooting. There are games where it looks really good, and I think at a guy when you're six foot, I know he's blazing fast and he's got long arms and he gets to the rim, but there are only so many players that at that height can can rely on those traits. 
And I don't think he's quite got the the game to be able to do so. And like Donovan Mitchell, as a jazz fan, I, and I'm not comparing them whatsoever, but he's six one um, and he's got blazing speed and he's developed into a very good shooter. And I don't think Kennedy Chandler has the traits to offset his deficiencies um, to the level. So that's one of my concerns. And I don't think he is necessarily a great playmaker. I think you've used the term uh, him as a ball mover. And mm-hmm. I would, I hadn't thought of that as terminology necessarily for him, but as, as we were talking about this, I think that's what I would describe him as more. So um, he's more dynamic because he can get to the rim and he'll drop dump offs and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But I don't see unbelievable creation coming out of like his head. Like it, it doesn't wow me off the screen. And most of his best traits stem from athleticism where I think at the next level, his athleticism won't be as much of a plus as it was in college and in high school. So you are similar to Richard Stamen, Mavs drafts are not fully buying into the 38% three-point shooting percentage. Yes. Gotcha. No. <laughs> so I, I, I am. Um, but then again, you know, it just depends. Like if you feel like free throw shooting is the end, is a good indicator of shooting touch, then you, you have to be really concerned with this free throw shooting is only like 60%. And I know for a point guard, that's kind of scary for a guy that you want to have the ball in his hands at the, at the end of games. I mean, I think he's a good passer. I think that I'd say he's just a little bit more like if there was like a, a grade above ball move, I would put him there just because I think that with his speed that, I mean, he is able to, you know, get dump offs and, and, and driving kicks. I mean, like, I mean, again, I don't want like you, you, you brought up Donovan Mitchell. I'm going to bring up Westbrook. They're not the same type of athlete. I would never say Westbrook has great vision, but he was able to get like 10 assists a game just off of his aggression and and driving kicks and dump offs. And I think Kennedy Chandler can probably get five or six assists per game. I'm actually high on him. I think that he'll look better with NBA spacing. I think that, um, you know, he did split some ball handling duties at, at Tennessee and like I said, I, th- I think that he'll he'll be fine. My ideal scenario for him is Houston. I think with Houston, whether it's coming off the bench or starting, I think he can kind of stabilize that that offense a little bit more. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm high on Chandler. I have him as a first round pick. All right, last point guard. I know we we didn't get all the way to ten. Who is the last point guard for today on your list? All right, I, I think I'm going to shock some people with this, but I'm I love Dalen Terry. Okay, okay. Because, so here's my thinking. Everyone watches the NBA um, that listens to this, or the vast majority do. Herb Jones is bigger, and he's a little more physical, but Dalen Terry is two years younger, and he's a better shooter than Herb in college. And I think he can play a similar role. And I'm not saying, and, and like I said earlier, I, they don't always handle ball handling duties, but I think he's a more than capable passer. Uh, he's a very, very good defender. I watched every single possession he ran in pick and roll, and he wasn't phenomenal. But I think a lot of it was that NBA spacing wouldn't have two bigs, and he played with two bigs at all times. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of his issues are he's very good at going to the rim hard, but when there's a person kind of in his path or the help defender shows up, his base the baseline pass is to kick out. And Arizona had Ben Matherin awesome shooter but uh in college i think in the nba that spacing allows him to get to the rim 
And I think if Herb Jones can shoot about 37%, which he shot this year for the, uh, the Pelicans after nobody, shooting 7% no, as a nobody saw that coming. <laughs> yeah. That is I'm, one I'm of the craziest it's, it's the hundred yeah. percent, but he shot 7% as a junior at Alabama. Yeah. Dalen Terry is not an amazing shooter, but he's better than Herb Jones was in college by a large, large margin. Great. And I just think you follow that prototype. And so he's my, he's my next point guard. But I, I say that with air quotes for those of you listening. Yeah. The thing I like about Terry is that he really does take care of the ball. Like his assist to turnover ratio was pretty good. I know he had like a stretch where I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was like 14 assists and only two turnovers. And uh, I mean, I, I think there's always room for big, oversized ball handlers that can make plays, but also take care of the ball. So I, I, I see a trend in the guys you like. You like big point guards or big guys that you feel like can initiate the offense as a as a secondary ball handler from Blake Wesley to to Terry to um uh, Dyson Daniel. So I, you know, I mean, I, I kind of see the preference there in the trend. I mean, we, we all, we all have them. So, um, but I just love like getting, you know, just getting feedback about players from, from other guys that I really respect, respect as a, as a draft mind. And then I just love the fact that we all have different opinions on players and none of us are wrong right now. <laughs> like none of us are wrong because if you go back a year from now, someone said, Herb Jones is a first round pick or, you know, would be one of the top, I don't know, 15 rookies in a class. Most people would have been like, you're crazy. Well, I mean, that's why you play the game. Herb Jones. And, and you know, in a normal year, because I think this year was loaded with, with rookie talent. But I think in a normal year, Herb Jones could probably be an all rookie player. It's just this year. It's, 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 it's tough. There should be a third team all rookie this year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I, Dale and Terry, as a jazz fan, this is someone I'd try to get into the second round for. Well, all right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Looking forward to next week. But before I go, I want to tell everybody about the Locked On experts covering Locked On NBA. And the Locked On experts, they talk about all the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday. And they're efficient. They get it done in less than 30 minutes. It is free and it is available wherever you get your podcast. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow from NBA Big Board. And I guess this is the NBA Big Board podcast. I was formerly, I don't, I don't want to say formerly with NBA Draft Junkies. I'm still doing NBA Draft Junkies. I still just have to get used to the transition from saying NBA Big Board to not lock on NBA Draft, the NBA Draft Junkies, and so on. But I have my guy Leaf Tulin talked about his top point guards. Stay tuned for tomorrow. I got a surprise for you. Got a surprise for you. But once again, thank you for checking us out here at the Big Board Podcast. And we are out.